0: The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals, listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment.
1: Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Barbara Strauch. Barbara Strauch is the Deputy Science Editor and Health and Medicine Editor at the New York Times, and she's here today on Health Watch to talk about her new book, the Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain: The sur- Surprising Talents of the Middle-Aged Mind. Welcome to Health Watch, Barbara.
0: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: Well, let's uh, familiarize our listeners on uh, the genesis of this book for you and w- what what's um, um, made you or prompted you to have an interest in this topic.
0: Well, I have a middle-aged brain, for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> um previously i wrote a book on the teenage brain actually and uh you know often a parent or a teacher after i would talk about that book would say you know i you know you should write a about my brain my brain is suddenly awful and uh they were worried because uh you know as most of us in middle age know there's some issues uh, we can't remember the movie we just saw or did i read that book or we see somebody we know and we think hmm who are you
1: So did you decide to write The Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain as a counterbalance to um, the conventional wisdom that our brains worsen as we age or more to explain in what ways it does worsen?
0: Well, I think I started out trying to figure out, you know, uh, those of us in the newspaper business pretty much look for, you know, tornadoes and bad things happening. And so I wanted to find out what was going wrong, actually, and what uh, what was happening, where all those names went and things. But as I looked into it, actually, I found that uh, this new modern middle age we have... Um, There are some glitches, but with normal aging, our brains are doing extremely well, and it's kind of a contradiction And uh, that we can't, you know, we go to a room, we can't remember why we got there and things, and those kinds of things certainly start happening. But on balance, um, in the developed world, we had childhood vaccines and fewer childhood diseases, and we're all entering and going through this modern middle age, which is about 40 to 68 or so, and our brains are better than they were in our 20s. And I think that really surprised me. And that's really what I wanted to write about.
1: So before we talk about the ways in which our, our brains improve going into middle age, what, um, what are the ways we know that uh, the brain gets worse? I, you mentioned short-term memory. Are there other things?
0: Sure. Um, I think they know uh, that from our mid-20s on, actually, processing speed slows down overall. Uh, It's the kind of thing they measure by how fast can you tap your finger on a table or name words that begin with F or something. And that kind of thing does slow down. Uh, It may mean it may take us a little bit longer to learn a new bunch of new material or memorize a bunch of words. And for many years, they thought that because processing speed declined, that perhaps all of the operations of a brain we're really on a downhill slide from uh... our mid twenties um, it's also true that we find uh, we get more distracted we uh... you know we go to the hardware store we can't remember that we went there to get a rake after we meet a friend we're kind of thrown off course quite easily and uh... They do find when they look into the brain that the um, brain as it ages can have a little bit of a, a momentary uh, lack of focus where it has a more difficult time keeping out irrelevant material. And that may be uh, to due to the processing speed. It may d- be due to, um, you know, some shrinkage. We do know that the brain uh, shrinks maybe 2% a decade um, but really, uh, they used to think that we lost 30% of our brain cells as we age. So in fact, uh, they now know that's not true. So the declines are really, they're there, but they're relatively minor in a healthy aging brain.
1: And are those declines um, signs of a higher, having a higher risk for uh, other cognitive problems later on? Or is it just considered normal?
0: Well, I think what we see in middle age is kind of a a great deal of variability. Uh, Their brains can vary at any age, but in middle age in particular, this long span of time that is kind of new for the species, uh, we see in animals and humans that uh, brains are kind of all over the map, and uh, what they think in middle age is that the brain is kind of on the cusp, but some will go on and retain their uh, clarity, and others will not, and probably because of illness. and the uh, neuroscientists are getting much better in terms of sorting out uh, which is which which is a brain that is under assault by strokes or some kind of cardiovascular disease and what is normal aging and uh, with normal aging uh, people do uh, quite well
1: we're talking today with barbara strauch the author of the secret life of the grown-up brain you're listening to health watch on kbo portland oregon in your book, Barbara, you say that the the brain is still developing in middle age. What, what does that mean, actually?
0: Well, I think that, again, was a surprise. They thought uh, it was something that just declined, lost a lo- bunch of brain cells, and used less of itself, kind of faded away. And as they got these new tools, uh, brain scanners and things, and MRIs to look inside brains, and also... You know, this uh, modern middle age, this long span of time that we have in the developed world, really didn't start to be studied till the 1950s. And we now have a whole bunch of um, really good data, 40 years of data, about what actually happens to real people. So I think that we know much more about... Um, you know, we see these large studies, cognitive studies of the same people, and we find they actually get better, uh, from 40 to 68 in a whole bunch of areas, including things like reasoning, um, getting the gist of an argument, um, sizing up a situation, and even what they call social expertise, which is kind of judging whether a good, guy, somebody's a good guy or a bad guy, um, making financial decisions, um, even our moods improve our sense of well-being seems to peak uh in middle age even late like at age 65 men women all ages on average Uh, and i think that sort of surprised me too i was thought maybe when we got to be middle age we'd all be kind of doom and gloom and midlife crisis and empty nest and and that i think has not proved to be true
1: well you mentioned earlier about ways in which the brain changes physically that correspond to ways in which the uh, brain function declines are there uh, similarly changes in the brain physically that we notice with this improvement in functioning in middle age? There
0: are. There's a couple of them that I have surprised scientists and are really kind of cool. And one is uh, we have um, the long tails of our, our neurons, our brain cells are called axons. And they, as you use them, pushed by genetics and also use, they get coated in what is really a very, uh, you know, for once a good layer of fat called myelin. And that once this tail of the, the brain cell that goes all over your brain is uh, coated in myelin, the brain cell actually um, works better. It, uh, the signal moves faster and the brain cell recovers faster from sending the signal. So uh, this myelin increases. They thought it ended in our 20s, but as they have looked at real brains they, with these new tools, they find that myelin increases, to, increases uh, up until our early 60s, if not beyond in some people. So... There are many people who think that this uh, this increase in myelin uh, increases the connectivity of our brain strengthens the connections and the pathways and may very well be what gives us this ability to kind of see the big picture or as you know some people in middle age said you know they maybe they can't remember what they had for breakfast but somehow solutions kind of pop into their heads almost by magic and I think that's kind of unappreciated, uh, and it began to intrigue me. And I, I think the other thing that we see also is the brain, rather than fading away and using less of itself, again, as they've studied real brains, they find that uh, the brain starts to use more of itself, uh, something that they could use, you could do with one side of your brain when you're younger, you use both sides of your brain when you're beginning in middle age, and That sounds kind of bad to begin with, but as they looked at it, they found it were the people who were uh, the most mentally competent that did this. And that means really that they had more brain activity, more real estate they could call on, and their brains were actually active and adapting to what they needed them to do.
1: I thought it was fascinating you talking about how our our short-term memory issues as we age are not necessarily an issue of forgetting things but a problem with retrieving them
0: right you 're exactly right it 's kind of it 's not a storage issue <laughs> it 's a retrieval issue the The stuff is in there they can even see it in the chemical markers as they look inside the brain and watch the cells change uh, with memory and with learning um, but they also have done a lot of very good studies. A woman named uh, Deborah Burke at Pomona College has done a lot of studies on what we call the tip of the tongue phenomenon, and that 's I think what we all know when we feel like we. We know something, we just can't bring it to mind. And, uh, she's done a lot of studies that show, uh, for instance, if you try and, one was, made me laugh. If you're trying to remember the name of Brad Pitt, uh, you know, which is hard to believe, but if you are, if someone later on just randomly says cherry pit to you, the name will pop into your head. And even, even similar sounds, you're trying to remember the word velcro and someone randomly says pellet to you, those internal sounds of EL will, Sometimes prompt the brain to um, bring back that word, bring back that name, and uh, as it turned out, I was. Uh, she uses this trick, this uh, Dr. Burke, and a lot of people apparently are going around using this kind of silently going through the alphabet to help prime their brains to uh, remember the name of the person who's standing in front of you.
1: So the the what seems like a subtle distinction between uh, forgetting or having a problem retrieving. The fact that it's more of a retrieval issue, it sounds like it might be more hopeful for people and, and coping with uh, brain function.
0: I it- think it is a hopeful message. I think most of us think that, you know, our brains are dying, you know, and that those memories are dying with them, and uh, that's... Certainly, we can all be, you know, the risks of dementia certainly increase with age, but we now know that it's not inevitable, and there's a number of what they call pristine agers out there, and there's so many now that can study them, and these are people in their 80s and 90s and even beyond whose brains are functioning extremely well, so... um, The neuroscientists are getting better at sorting out what is illness, what is pathology, and what is normal aging. And I think that um, with normal aging, we really do have an optimistic message that uh, your brains can stay with you for as long as uh, you're around yourself.
1: We're talking today with Barbara Strauch, the author of The Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain. If you'd like to join the conversation on Health Watch, the number is 503-231-8187. Well, I think what a lot of listeners are probably curious about is any research there is around how to, to keep our good cognitive functioning going forward as we age. And I know the, the, the cliche is, or the stereotypical thing people think of is doing crossword puzzles. So uh, both I'm curious, is, are doing crossword puzzles uh, a good technique for k- keeping our brains agile? And, and if not, what are some of the things that have been discovered?
0: Well, the crossword puzzles, yeah, we've all heard about that and there's nothing wrong with them. I think they're good and uh but they have moved way beyond this. Uh they want you uh you know, the best advice at the moment is uh to do something that goes really beyond crossword puzzles which are really sort of an exercise in uh retrieving those stored words that we already know and what they what people recommend now is that uh, a couple of things. If you want to um, kind of help that or remedy that issue of initial focus, um, you must try to remember to focus very uh, a little harder at the beginning uh, when you're trying to learn a name or trying to learn something because that's really when the when the problems arise. And uh, so I think focusing at the beginning is a good idea. Um, obviously, the the best science uh, is really exercise in terms of what we can do for the aging brain. There's just a whole a pile of science now that's very solid that shows that. Um, vigorous exercise and, you know, not marathons, running, you know, going around a track, uh, even a brisk walk, as long as it gets your heart going, um, can increase brain volume, increase cognitive scores, and even uh, produce baby brain cells. So um, in the area of the hippocampus, which is where memories are formed, so they, they now think that the brain is much like the heart. Anything you would do for your heart... Um, they didn't think really had much of an impact on your brain for years, but now they know that nutrients get past the blood-brain barrier and that the growth chemicals when we use our bodies actually get through to our brains. And, of course, they need oxygen to keep them going so I think exercise and also of course they're trying their hardest to try to figure out what it is in red wine (laughs) that can help us put it in a pill and uh, you know all the antioxidants the the the, uh, high color fruits and vegetables are clearly on the table in terms of helping the repair systems in the brain the anti-inflammatory fish oil it's hard to show in studies but they're trying and uh, they see it in animals so um I think all those things are important and you know my personal favorite is that the people who deal with adult learners say that uh, one of the things we need to do is talk to people who disagree with us you know push those brains out of our comfort zones and uh, uh, you don't have to change your mind but anything that gets you to um, kind of as our brains age we have built up a lot of assumptions and connections and pathways which is a good thing it helps us uh, come to solutions and and be creative in some cases but a brain likes a good rut and i think if we want to continue to keep it to de- get it get it developing we want to push it out of those ruts one way or the other
1: that was actually one of the more fascinating parts of the book for me is the idea that learning new facts is not as important as confronting contrary ideas to our own that we should surround ourselves with what you call disorienting dilemmas
0: Right. I think that um, we want to, you know, a brain does, we're set up to assume that uh, the world is as we think it is. And uh, at middle age, we may not be as good as, uh, you know, at uh, memorizing body parts or things like that. Our brains perhaps might not be as quick at that or learning in a whole new system as quickly as someone around us. But what our brains are almost hungry for and set up for is this next developmental step, which is Really, to capture and uh, embrace a more nuanced, complex view of the world. And, uh, I think that's, uh, really the point of a middle-aged brain. Uh, some people say it's only by middle age that we, our brains are actually, um, ready, uh, to confront the big problems of the world. And I think that happens almost naturally too. And we, we kind of ignore it, you know, we suddenly find ourselves worrying about the whole world and the universe and oil spills and children in afghanistan and i think that's a developmental step step in our brains that um we kind of take for granted and we don't really squeeze it for much as much as it's worth actually
1: And, and you mentioned the um the connection or the idea that the more we do things for the same things that are good for our heart are also good for our brain so doing Aerobic exercise, which is good for our heart, is also going to be good for brain function. Is there Have they found similarly a, a correlation between people with high cholesterol and a higher risk of, of cognitive decline or high blood pressure and, and cognitive decline?
0: Yes, I think that those correlations are there, that uh, anything that, uh, uh, you know, really harms the brain like that is obviously not going to be good at, for it in the long term. So blood pressure is really important to control cholesterol levels, are crucial um and you don't want to get hit in the head, you know, stay away from golf balls and things, uh, slamming doors, uh, that's not good either. So um, I think that in general we have to think of our brains uh, even more and more as not only, I uh, used to think it was quite protected up there and, uh, and w- wasn't really affected. The, even the people who studied the body didn't talk to the neuroscientists, and that's now changed.
1: And you have an interesting chapter on on extra brain power. And you talk about the story of Sister Bernadette, and I was hoping you could share that with our listeners today.
0: Right. This is so amazing, and it's what they call, uh, there's some nuns that have been studied for years, uh, David Snowden and uh, other examples in science as well, where these are people who are cognitively, uh, very mentally sharp right up until they're, Death, And they have given them cognitive scores and things. Sister Bernadette was part of a a group of nuns that were studied for years and had agreed to donate their brains after death. And she's one who was the sharpest of the sharpest of these nuns. And nuns are good to study because they don't have a lot of the assaults on their brain like smoking and drinking like the rest of us do. But anyway, so their brains are pretty um, as good as they could be, and she was a superstar and Then, when she died, they looked at her brain and it was full of the ravages of the tangles and plaques of alzheimer 's and uh, This was not the first time they 'd seen this, and they 've seen it in others A uh, chess player in london 's another famous one who was found he could only you know think uh, you know four moves ahead instead of seven he was worried, but no one saw any other sign and By the time he died, also his brain was riddled with alzheimer's so what they think is happening is that some uh, in some cases we can build up what they call a cognitive reserve a kind of a brain buffer if we if we uh you know push by genetics but also push by how we use our brains and how how much real estate is available to our brains in good shape so that if one part of our brain is not functioning as well, uh, the brain will adapt and move over to another part that is still functioning well. And if you've used your brain a lot and it's in good shape and relatively efficient, um, they think that you can call on these other parts of your brain to help you When you need it, they see uh, it sometimes correlated with education. They see people with higher levels of education, uh, literacy, or even complex leisure activities um, can recover from strokes, the same severity of stroke, a little faster than others, uh, also brain injury. And so, what they think is this may also help with the normal ravaging of aging, and that um, we can, uh, people like Sister Bernadette and the chess player, were able to not keep away disease nothing does that that we know of at the moment for sure but it might be able to help people um fake it a little longer sort of uh, take care of themselves and not have the outward manifestations of something like alzheimer's because they could call on more of their brain to help them through that period
1: and it sounds like there may not be a, a proportional correlation between how many alzheimer's plaques you have and how well or how poorly you're doing
0: well, I don't know, What well, they do find that, you know, the, they have done those studies, and they find that the more you have, the worse your disease in general, except for these small, this these proportion of people who have something extra in their brain that helps them, um, you know, uh, helps them function longer, and so... You know, this is a mysterious disease. We don't quite know what causes it and things. It's highly misdiagnosed. Uh, and uh, what they're finding, though, is that um, they need to attack it earlier, probably, and they need to recognize it earlier. And uh, on a parallel track, they're also finding that uh, there may be some things we can do to help our brains at least function outwardly better for longer.
1: Well, let's take a caller. Uh, Joanne, Joanne, you're on the air with Barbara Strout on Health Watch.
0: Yes. Hello, uh, Barbara. Um, I've just been listening a little bit off and on uh, to the program, and you talk about cholesterol or whatever affecting the brain or heart. You know what, uh, what I think has a more profound effect on the brain the heart is all these pollutants in our everyday life. The way our food is grown, uh, the animals, the way they're uh, treated, and the way our food is processed. And all the chemicals that are imposed on us by uh, factories and insecticides and pesticides and uh, uh, medications uh, and then domestic violence, I, I would think all these things would have a more profound effect on our brain and on our heart. Thank you
1: well, Barbara, um, do you is there a lot of research on food and and brain function? I know you said they're doing some studies on on red wine and on fish oil.
0: Yeah, they are. And they, as I said, they see it in animals like older beagles, for instance, They did eat a diet rich in, uh, you know, spinach and algae and, and the antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. They, they learn tricks better than beagles, older beagles that didn't have that kind of diet. They know that there's something there in terms of, um, you know, the antioxidants help the repair system in our brains and our bodies. And the question is, can we eat more of them to make a huge difference? And I, again, the, Science not, has not quite caught up with uh, what they see in the animals. In terms of humans, although when you talk to the scientists themselves, you know it's pretty interesting. And well, as you're talking to them, they're all eating blueberries and spinach themselves.
1: <laughs> well, what about larger larger differences in populations? Like, if you were to take a, a vegetarian versus a, a, a very highly carnivorous diet, would would um, do you see any differences in dementia rate, for instance? I'd-
0: I don't think so. There's some broad correlations, of course, with, um, uh, you know, high-fat diets and cardiovascular disease. And so if we extrapolate from that, if you have cardiovascular disease, that's not good for your brain. But I don't think they've quite sorted out, you know, what it is specifically uh, in terms of, um, you know, we've heard that fish is brain food and uh, eat, your fru- you know, eat your fruits and vegetables, and that's good for your brain. I think that's probably pretty true. Um, and these diseases are not good. So anything that generally leads to uh, diabetes is uh, difficult uh, for a brain. Cardiovascular disease, and of course, stroke is not good either.
1: And I know you, you mentioned the importance of, um, as we age, staying in, uh, social and interactive with other people. Um, do do we actually see more problems with cognitive function in, in people who isolate themselves in their home, or um, maybe they're just staying home and watching television or reading, or versus right. somebody who's staying social?
0: Well this, this whole field, of course, has always had a little bit of a chicken and egg problem. You know Do people stay home because they 're simply not feeling as well, or there 's some stirring of of an illness or something that we don 't know about? But the most rigorous studies do find that there is a connection between uh, being social and uh, and higher cognitive abilities and uh, they may some people think that um, that may be because not of course we all want to be with people who make us feel good and things like that, and mood has a and our own self image has an enormous effect on how our brains function and what we think of ourselves, but they also think that um, and I found this quite interesting that uh socialization may work because it's hard for our brains In that uh when you're with other people you have to you know not act like a jerk make sure you know what you're saying and you know being with another human being is difficult and it pushes the brain and that's good
1: so that might go back to the idea we talked about earlier about confronting different ideas versus staying in your comfort zone
0: right exactly and and basically you can't you know those other ideas come from confronting other people and uh you know it's good we need to you know keep our brains going
1: do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today barbara
0: well, I think the point that uh, I came away with was, um, you know, that we all freak out a little bit about, you know, these memory problems and, uh, you know, which they horribly call senior moments, et cetera. But on balance, I think that uh, what I began to see when I talked to people and did the scientific research is that, we really need to sort of begin to not let our culture, you know, beat us down with these ideas of aging versus decline, you know, equals decline, because our brains are quite good. And in, in this day and age, our culture, you know, recession, we saw a lot of people leave the, the workplace, and they have very vigorous brains. And I think we need to learn to appreciate them and, and respect them for what they can
1: do. Well, it was a pleasure having you on Health Watch today.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: We were talking today with the author of The Secret Life of the Grown-Up Brain. If you missed part of today's program, you can go later today or tomorrow to kboo.fm backslash healthwatch, and there should be an audio for you to download. And I will be back the first Monday in July with Rebecca Wood, the author of the new Whole Foods Encyclopedia. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine.